You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. I don't know if they'll roar the uh, roar of the lion in those movies, if that does anything for you or not. <laughs> it does me because that's a picture of my Savior <clears throat> as a lion of Judah. And uh, I'll probably say a little bit more about that later in this, uh, in this series. Uh, what we're doing is, is taking uh, a few Sundays to help us focus on Operation Christmas Child. A few years ago, we started, you know, doing this this time of year, uh, sending boxes out, you know, asking you to fill them up, bring them back in. And uh, we found out that um, Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child, was using this Chronicles of Narnia movie that's coming out in December as a uh, kind of promotion this year, uh, kind of yoking together with them uh, for the Operation Christmas Child emphasis. So that's why we played the trailer, and that's where the title uh, comes from. It's actually a book to begin with by C.S. Lewis, and now they've turned it into one of these uh, movies. But I thought it was fitting for a theme for us for Operation Christmas Child because in the movie and in this title, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, you have a, a picture of the main characters going on an amazing journey. And, and as they go on this journey, as they take this trip. They are going forth, the idea of the ship being called the Dawn Treader, they are going forth to take Dawn to a world. They're going forth to take a message to a world. And in a similar way, you and I who know Christ as our saviors, that's what we are called to do. We're called to be Dawn Treaders. We're called to take the spiritual light of the gospel to this world that's around us. And I think that's the thing they had in mind with yoking together with Operation Christmas Child. Yes, sending these boxes out, we are sending uh, gifts, uh, Christmas gifts, you know, gifts to children, needy children across the world that may not have ever received anything like this. And if you've seen in the videos that we've been playing, I mean, their, their faces light up and and most of the time, it's simple items that are in these boxes, but because of their culture and their need, it's like you have given them the world in these boxes when they, when they receive them. And that's part of it, sending them a gift. But the real emphasis, the real reason for Operation Christmas Child is this, is to give them the opportunity to experience the love of Jesus Christ was talking with Al earlier because Al and Wendy, as you know from last week, they uh, do some training on a contract basis with Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. On average, about one in ten boxes that goes out winds up in a salvation of a child. Uh, last year, there were over eight million boxes that went out. So do some math on that. You know, somewhere, you know, plus or minus 800,000 salvations last year because someone cared enough to pack a box and send it out. And that's what we're focusing on in, in this series. We have sent out over, <clears throat> over 500 of these. 
Now, they don't look a whole lot like a box. You have to turn it into a box to where it looks like some of these empty ones we have on display. But then you have to go beyond that and actually pack it, put some money there to cover for the ship and label it and bring it here. I don't know if you heard the phrase, the test of the journey. You're about to be tested in the trailer that we played a moment ago. And in the movie, those characters will be tested. What I want us to understand today is this. There is a test for us in Operation Christmas Child. Because it's one thing to pick this up and take it home. It's an entirely different thing for you to take time and fold it and turn it into a box and follow through with your commitment and go and buy the items and put it in, pray over it and bring it back here. And some of you may be experiencing a test right now. Some of you may have, you know, in an emotional moment in our services, you came up and you grabbed a handful of these and and now you're looking at the date drawing closer. And you're having a test in yourself. Maybe you're feeling the the press of the economy or or whatever the situation might be. But you're feeling a little bit of a test as to whether or not you can do this. As to whether or not you can follow through with your, your commitment and pack it and bring it back here so it can be sent out across the globe. And that's what today is about. There's a a test, I think, that you might be experiencing, maybe some doubts whether you are adequate. And I can answer that for you. You're not, and I'm not, because we're all inadequate. And that's why we have to depend upon Him. And that's why we have to trust Him and put Him first as we pack these. Now, we've only got one verse on the screen, and and I really feel impressed this morning just to read uh, a few more verses Uh, out of Matthew 6. If you have your Bible with you, which you should have, uh, as I say often, even though we put it on the screen, uh, one day I may put something up that sounds like Bible to you, and it might not be. You better check me out. So you need to have your Bible with you. And I want to read something out of of Matthew chapter 6. It's kind of interesting when we're talking about the theme of Operation Christmas Child, because in the very first part of chapter 6, it's kind of talking about uh, giving to the needy and how we ought to do that. But I want you to look uh, on with me over at verse number 19. And uh, the Bible says there, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And then notice this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, we... Instead of worrying so much about our own stuff, we need to be investing in God's kingdom. We need to be investing in eternity. And we have the chance to do that through Operation Christmas Child. Instead of, instead of us worrying so much about the treasures that we have on heaven, anything you have, you're not taking with you. The blessing of touching a child's life through a shoebox is something that will last for all eternity. Look with me at verse 24. 
It says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, some translations say, man, but it's talking about money. That's all money is, it's money. It's not going to last forever, but a life touched by the money that you spend to fill up these shoeboxes and send these shoeboxes last forever. Then look with me at the verse that we'll have on the screen. But seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then he goes on and says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry, its, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, there's the test. The test is putting the kingdom of God first. The, the test is us fulfilling our commitment, filling these boxes up, changing lives across this world through Operation Christmas Child. That's the test. Putting the kingdom of God first. I understand what it is to worry about bills. I understand what it is to maybe worry about Christmas for your own family and everything like that. And, and all the temptations and the tests we might have and we might face to kind of thwart us from fulfilling our commitment to impact the world through Operation Christmas Child. But it really boils down, the really foundational test is this. Will we seek the kingdom of God first? Will we put Him first? Will we seek Him first? See, all the stuff we worry about, I didn't read it, I may allude to it a little bit later in the service, but all the other stuff that we worry about so much, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, all the kind of stuff that Jesus talks about in, in Matthew 6. That's what Jesus had in mind. All our material worries, all the stuff that we have to take care of day to day. And yet he said what we need to do is seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and trust him to take care of all the other stuff. What we need to do is just fulfill our commitments here. Trust Him to take care of all the other stuff. For most of this service today, here's what's going to happen. A few months ago, Bethany and Brittany Crump had the opportunity to go to northern Africa on a mission trip and to serve Jesus there. We have been looking for an appropriate time for them to share, and I'll kind of apply based on what they have to say at the end of the service. But I think today is a real good time for them to share because there was a test God laying upon their heart to go. There is a test. Can we afford to go? Can we, can we take the time to go? There is a test. It's dangerous in northern Africa. All kinds of tests that they had to go through. They're going to come and share with you about their mission trip. As they do, I want you to realize many of you had a part in what they did because you helped to support it financially. They're going to come and share, and I'll be back up after they finish, and we'll make some applications and get an invitation and close the service at that time. Thank you guys for coming. Hey, um, I'm Bethany. I'm Brittany. Um, first, I just want to thank y'all. Um, like the pastor said, a lot of you had... Um, allowed us to go um, to support us financially and by prayer. So we first wanted to start out by saying thank you um, to all of you who did help and for those who prayed for us. 
Um, and we went, it was a few months ago, May 28th through June 15th. Um, we went to Northern Africa. We can't tell you the exact country um, because the reason we went is our cousin April is still there. She's serving there for three years. And so for her safety and also for the people um, that we met there and stuff, just for their safety, we can't tell you the exact country. Um, but we do want to share um, a quick verse with you just to tell you kind of more of the reason why we went. It's Psalm 67, 1 through 3. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be done on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you. O oh God, may all the peoples praise you. Um, and this verse just talks about um, how the whole world needs to know um, his name and be able to praise God. And um, we went so that we could share our faith with the people there. And a lot of times it wasn't, we weren't able to come out and be like, you need to know Jesus. Like we weren't able to do that because we couldn't bring up um, God's name. And so we were able to do that through relationships. Um, And so I do want to encourage you just to put more input on the um, Christmas boxes that this is your way to to allow missionaries that might can't um, come out and say it. This is your way to make a part in being able to allow them to do that. And so we're just going to kind of go through and talk about our trip. Okay, um, the first week what we did, um, April's main job over there, her first year, she was there for three years. And the first year is um, learning the language, um, mingling into the culture, and learning about how they live day to day. And for us, um, we I mean, we talk to her on a regular basis, um, but... When we were planning to go, the only thing we had to prepare ourselves were our past mission trips. And um, in those, we were able to do, you know, VBS. We were able to go and share the, like, the Jesus movie and things like that. But here, we weren't able to do that. So we didn't exactly know how to prepare for this mission trip. Um, April tried to, you know, teach us about the culture. So the first week, what we did was we lived with the people. Um, we went to culture days. We went and taught English classes. Um, we did things like that that allowed us to just mingle into the culture and learn about the people and build those relationships that Bethany was talking about. Um, in the country that we went to, there's 84 different people groups, so basically 84 different cultures in one country, which is a lot. Um, and then there's also a lot of unreached and untouched people groups. And um, one of the people groups that are untouched is one that April is actually trying to reach. So um, we, were, we got to actually go into those people groups and were able to see all of the different cultures in the country. Next slide. Okay, so these are some pictures of um, the top left and the top, um, well, all of these are when we went and taught English classes um, to some of the children there. Um, the top left is Bethany with one of the little girls. Um, we played Simon Says, which it turned into Brittany or Bethany Says because they didn't understand Simon, who was Simon. Um, so it turned into Brittany or Bethany Says. Um, but this was just to help them with communication skills because um, they can learn in a classroom all day. This is your nose. This is your mouth. But without talking about their nose and their mouth, they won't learn anything. So um, we also read um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, which is one of the, Nar- is the first Narnia um, series book. 
Um, we read chapters out of the end there and then asked them questions about it to help with their um, communication skills. And we also played some spelling games um, with the children with English. Oh, yeah, that's funny. With English words. So um, it was a lot of fun and just to play with the kids. Um, these are a couple of pictures around the city that we um, lived in for the time that we were there. Um, the top left is going to be the pharmacy on the side of the street. Um, this is right outside of April's gate on the street that she used when we were there. She lived in, she's moved since then. But, um, so that's what the street looked like. The bottom left, um, is actually the outside of the compound that April lived at. Um, the whole place was gated and there was probably about seven people that lived there, um, permanently. And then this is a place where, um, different groups would come in and out, um, doing whatever projects they were working on at that point. Um, the top right is one of April's friends that lives in the country. She is actually performing a, um, coffee ceremony for us. Um, this is very common when you go into the homes, they'll give you coffee or, um, and food. And this is one of the, um, coffee ceremonies that we did. Um, the bottom right is, it's called a minibus is the transportation, public transportation there. Um, it's an 11 passenger van, but they typically fit 20 to 25 people in it. So that was, um, experience because I mean, when you have 21 people, there's a lot of people very close to you. Um, and so that was an experience on a day to day basis. Cause that's how we got around. Um, and then also just for us to learn the culture and also to help the people that live there, um, up in the top left-hand corner is there well, also basically all of them, is their main food. And what it is, is it looks like a pancake, but it does not taste like a pancake. It is about a quarter an inch thick, and it is spongy fermented bread. And so it's not the greatest um, thing, but that's what they have. And they also use lentils um, and beans, and what they do is they pick it up with the spongy fermented bread and eat the lentils and the beans, and that's how they get their protein and everything. And a lot of those they can grow on their own, um, so it's, it's able for them to have food. And, um, but what we did here is that this is in someone's home, and that's how she makes income, is that the company that we were there with, um, for the teams that come in so that they'll know the culture and be able not to um, kind of put a bad influence on the reasons that they're there, they come in and let them learn the culture. And so we went into this home and she showed us everything from preparing the food to how to wrap our heads as we go into a family's home um, and also just how to eat the food because um, you don't use your right hand. And so um, anyways, but that was her way of getting income and it was her way of um, living because otherwise she would not be able to... Um, eat. She wouldn't be able to do anything. She had a um, little lamp set up in her house because she could not afford electricity and stuff. And so we were able to pay for this culture day and that was her way to get income. Um, and then after we kind of went for the first week, um, the second and third weeks that we were there, we, were, we traveled around to different villages. Um, the first village, we have verses that go along with the villages just to help you um, kind of relate them and our experience there. The first village we have, Matthew 27, 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. 
And then Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. This is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed from pure water. The reason that we chose these two verses is this first um, village that we went to, um, it was more of a, not a vacation, but more of a place where we went just to understand more of the culture. Um, It was where they believe um, the king that was there He came in and he thought that God told him that he needed to build the new Jerusalem Um, because this was an Orthodox town and Orthodox makes the journey to Jerusalem um, as their pilgrimage. And so um, he built this Jerusalem in this country so that they wouldn't have to go to Jerusalem. And so they have 11 different churches that have been carved out of the side of a mountain and they started from the top and worked their way down. And so a lot of, I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was amazing to see. Um, But we also got to see how a lot of people believe that orthodoxes are okay, but they do not believe that Jesus died and rose again. Um, And so it was just, to hear their um, thoughts, and it really put um, a burden on my heart to allow them to know the truth and know that Jesus is alive. Um, and so, and one of the reasons we picked the first verse is because they have a veil in every single one of the 11 churches. They have a veil and only the priests can go behind there. They have um, an arc, a replica of the Ark of the Covenant behind the veil. And each church also has their own cross. Um, and so that was the reason we chose the first one. The second one is um, because it was more of a personal reason. We got to see, we got there on a Friday. Friday and left on a Sunday. While we were leaving, um, they were everyone from the village was walking to the churches because all the churches are still um, open to worship on Sundays. And so they they were walking to church, and I saw these people and these women sitting outside the church, and they could not go in. They were sitting outside the gates, and they weren't going in. And I turned to April and I said, "Why are they not going in?" And she says, "Because they don't feel clean enough. They don't feel clean that they can go in and worship." And to me, that just hit me really hard because no matter what we do, we could have woke up this morning and we could have sinned like that, but we're still here and we're still able to worship. And they don't believe they can. And um, that just really hurt me because I was like, you know, I take that for granted. I take what Christ did for me for granted. And these people can't even go into church and worship. And they have to show everyone that I don't feel unclean. But if we really think about it, none of us would be able to enter church any day. And so... That's the reason we picked those two verses. And these are just some pictures of um, the churches that were there. So the next verse. Okay. Um, The second village we went to um, was actually my favorite village. Um, The verse that we chose for it was Matthew 25, 35 through 36. And it says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. The reason why we chose this verse for this village was because here is where we did our medical clinics and our feedings. Um, we were there for three, three days, three or four days, and um, it was just amazing. Um, while we were there, we did the medical clinic was the first thing that we did. Um, 
And Bethany got to be the drug dealer that week. Um, she worked in the pharmacy and she gave out all the drugs, um, which was, I mean, most of it was aspirin or things for just regular daily pain, which was, it kind of put me back into reality about how, um, how, I guess, good we have it here because we can just go to the store and get aspirin. If our knees hurt, we go to the store and get some aspirin. If, you know, our head hurts, we go get some, you know, Excedrin, whatever. And here they come to this medical clinic and their knees are hurting because they're 80 years old and they walk everywhere. Their head's hurting because, you know, they have bad eyesight. They're, there's these things that we fix on a day-to-day basis just by going to Walmart. And there they don't have that. And um, that day we served about 80 to 100 people um, within about four hours. Um, Bethany worked in the pharmacy, like I said. Um, I took blood pressures of every single one of those people. Um, it was a challenge, but I did it good. And, um, and April was actually one of the translators. Um, she is now at the advanced level of the um, program, so she can speak very well the national language of the country. So she was able, she was one of the only ones there, which is kind of shocked me because you would think the national language most people would know, but she was the only translator there that could actually speak the national language. And so she worked very hard and was challenged as well because she was using words that she didn't usually use on a daily basis because we were in a medical setting. Um, And uh, the next thing that we did was we did some feedings. And um, you can see it, was, it didn't work exactly how we thought it would because, like, here, you know, if you go to a homeless shelter or something and you want to feed some people, they'll have, you know, a bar that they come up, get a plate, and they'll sit and eat there. Well, this isn't how this one worked because fam- they have families at home. They have kids at home. So what would happen was the parents would come, or the moms usually, would come and sit. And they would wait. We, they waited for about an hour um, inside the clinic, and then um, there was line outside all the way um, across the street um, for food. And we couldn't let everyone in because we only had so much food and only so much room. So it was basically first come, first serve, which is really sad because they were lined up all the way across the street outside. But what we did was they made um, rice with um, a bunch of vegetables and um, different things in them, no meat, just vegetables and rice. And um, we put them, you can see on the right corner, I'm carrying two plates. Um, they carried, we carried these around and filled up these plates with this rice. And then we gave out bags. And you can see Bethany on the left. Um, and we just dumped the plate inside the bag. Like, and then took the plate back. So just the food was in this plastic bag. And then they tied it up and they took it back to their family. And some of these, this little bag, this one plate of food was going to feed their family for the whole week. And they could have, I mean, they could have three kids and this one plate was going to feed them for the whole week. And, um, and some of them brought their children with them. And if they did, we would give the children a bag too. So that family got, um, you know, two or three bags, but, um, most of them, it was just the parents that came. Um, and so after we had given everybody their bags, we had a couple, um, about, a pot left over and so we filled up empty bags and we took them outside the gates and they gave them to the people that were still standing in line a lot of them had left once they realized they weren't going to get in but the ones that were left we gave, came out and gave them the food and um again i mean it just shows this whole the whole time we were at this village it just showed how good we have it here and how we don't have to worry about you know we get one plate of food three times a day i mean and they get one plate of food 
once a week for the whole family. And so it just, you know, emphasized how good we have it here. So um, this is um, actually, this village, um, there was four journeymen that were there. And then there was um, some other people that lived there from um, the States. And we actually just got to spend one night with them um, and just hang out and have fun because it had been a while since they had seen other people by the size of the people that they worked with all the time. Um, the top left are, we had African s'mores is what we've named them. And it was these um, kind of like, what are they called? Cracker. Cracker things. I don't know. Um, and then we put, we roasted peeps. Um, and then we put this um, not very good chocolate on it. And ate it. And um, it was interesting. It wasn't, yeah, it was, it was an African s'more. Um, and then the top right is actually, in this village, is their minibus or their um, transportation that they have. Um, and it's kind of like a four-wheeler with the top on top of it. And again, it fit four people, but usually we had five to six people in it. So again, people sitting on top of each other. Um, the bottom left is camel, is a camel, if you didn't know. Um, this was the first time that me and Bethany had actually seen camels. It was really cool. Um, and they would literally come, but like, this far away from us because they were everywhere. And um, this village is actually known for exporting camels. And we would see huge herds of camels being lifted into trucks, like with a big crane. And they would lift the camels up and place them in the trucks. Um, which was really funny to see. Um, and then the bottom right is what they call, what the journeymen there call their Walmart. Because they say whatever you can get in the village, you can find at this store right here. And it was true. There was tons of stuff there. I mean, it's not our Walmart, but I mean, the stuff that they need to live, they could find at this store. So, um, Okay, so the Village 3 is a very special village to April. And here we, will, we were able to see how relationships can um, form and how they can bring you to be able to talk to Christ, um, talk about Christ. The verse that we chose here was, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Um, this village is surrounded by a gate. It, is, um, it has eight entrances, um, but it is where Islam is, where it's thought that Islam came into the country. Um, there are no outsiders that live in this country or in this village yet. Um, that is what people are pressing for and hoping for. So that is one thing that you can pray for is that, um, that an outsider can come in and live in this, in this village. And um, so basically what we did is we were able to um, go into the village and walk around, and basically we kind of did a prayer walk around the gate of the village, um, just because we couldn't go in and really um, make ourselves known a lot. And so we walked around the village, we did some prayer walks, but we also got to walk with, the kids were getting out of school, and so the upper left-hand corner you see, like, I mean, they see white people, and they come running. And um, they just want to hold on to you, and walk with you, and um, just kind of talk to you, even though we couldn't speak their language, we were able to kind of talk to them. April and some of the other people that you see with us up there, they were able to talk to them, but me and Brittany just kind of walked beside them and smiled. Um, the bottom left corner is one of the mini gates that you see. It doesn't really look like a real gate. Like it doesn't, some of them have the doors and everything, but then some of them 
the entrances are just huge openings in the wall. Um, and so, and then the bottom right corner is a door that they have for hyenas to come in. Um, and they think that if they allow the hyenas into the village, they won't harm their children. Um, but if they don't let them in, that somehow they'll get in and harm their children. So they have doors for the hyenas. It's beyond me. Um, and then this is kind of a little bit of fun that we had while we were there. We fed those hyenas. And so um, just through this experience and just through being able to go into this village and see um, just their life and their culture and everything, we, w- we were able to see how so many things in that village can relate to Christianity. It can relate to like the narrow uh, road. The first picture that we had up there was a road that was the narrowest road in the country. And basically what they, they call it, the friendship road or yeah, something. something. It translates something like that. Basically, if you have an argument, one person starts on one end, the other person starts on the other end, and they walk. And the only way to get past each other is to face each other. And so that's their way to kind of get through arguments and everything. And that's why me and Brittany were facing each other in the road. And so, because we don't have arguments, but sometimes. But, um, <laughs> so anyways, but that village was really um, just really special to us. And we were just able just to see um, how much prayer the country needs, but also how much prayer can do for a country. And just how much relationships can form in a really short time. Um, and so the next part is when we came back into the city. Okay, um, after we went to the villages, we stayed out about a week and a half, um, just going to different places without coming back to the city that April actually lives in. And um, here, when we came back, we had about um, four days before we were leaving. And um, the first thing that we did when we got back was we went to the official hospital there in the city. And um, I really enjoyed this because it just showed what... um, missionaries can do, what um, resources can do, and what um, just people can do that care. Um, here, women come in that have these medical problems, and most and all of them that come in have had a miscarriage and lost the baby, either by miscarriage or stillborn. And these women come in are able to get medical care and are able to um, rehabilitate themselves and are able to just... Um, just go back to their villages healed and not have to be thrown out of their villages because they've had this happen to them. And um, all of these services are free because of resources from churches in America, in Australia, in Europe. Um, these women can get this medical care for free. And after their surgeries or after their treatments, um, they are able to actually go through a Bible study and go through... Um, just learning how to quilt, learning how to make baskets, learning how to do things that are going to um, increase their income when they do get to leave the hospital. And um, we just went around and um, just visited with them and got to do different things around there and just see how the hospital works. Um, it, was, it was amazing, actually, just how awesome it was. And so the next thing that we did was a henna party. And... Um, This country, one of the people groups there, um, their main thing is henna tattoos. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's just basically hair dye that they dye their skin and um, it comes off in like two weeks. Um, But what we did was this, um, one of the journeymen there have started this with this people group 
And she has drawn out henna tattoos that represent Bible stories because we can't come out and tell Bible stories. We can't come out and say, hey, look what Jesus has done for you. So we have to, they, she had to come up with this um, unique way to tell them these Bible stories. And so while we were there, we actually got to use one of the henna tattoos and tell a Bible story to these women that came to see us. Um, and this top left one was actually the tattoo that was um, put on my hand. And it's the story of the prodigal son. And I'll explain really quickly kind of how it works. The big um, flower at the bottom is the son who stayed at home. Um, And the little thing that's coming off of it towards my thumb is the um, son that left and went astray. Um, And then he worked with the pigs when he he ran out of money. Um, So right there on my thumb, you can see little curly tail looking things. And that is for the um, pigs. And then... um, when he came back, his father, the, the one between my ring finger and my middle finger, the, it's open, the flower's open, and that's when he came back, his father's arms were wide open for him and ready to accept him back, um, even though he had messed up. And so that represents the father. And then the one on the pointer finger, there's a ring across it. The father gave him a ring um, just to show him that he was back in the family. And then they had a huge celebration, which they're kind of firework things on my pointer finger. Um, so that's just a way that we could tell this Bible story um, to, these, to these women and allow them to um, just be touched by one story, by just a tattoo on our hands. Um, and then these are the rest of these pictures are just some pictures of the women there and us telling the stories. Um, the last thing that we got to do was um, we helped with a soccer camp there. Um, We didn't get to play like we wanted to because there wasn't any girls playing. And in that country, the girls and the boys can't play together. And so we just helped at the the gate, which was cool because we got to see the the behind-the-scenes things and how they work and how the country doesn't really, isn't really organized in time. Um, You might have heard, you know, African countries don't, they don't wear watches. They don't abide by time rules. Like if you tell them to be there at 9, it might be 11 o'clock before they get there. And so that happened this day, and um, it was frustrating at one point, but then at one point it was just funny because they were like, okay, they'll come when they want to. We'll just wait for them. And so that happened a lot that day, and it was just, it was funny to see how the people who live there that were the missionaries, that, that how they handled it because they had dealt with it for so long. They were just like, whatever, we'll just get over it. And so, um, and it poured that day, so we got to see all the guys play soccer in, like, mud up to their ankles and kick in the mud instead of the balls, and it was fun to watch. Um, it was, yeah, just a relaxing day, really. Um, and so the next thing is um, April encouraged us to, the last day that we were there, we kind of just didn't debrief, but kind of just talked about our trip with her and just said our goodbyes and stuff. But um, she asked us to come up with a verse that really summarized our entire trip. So that's what me and Brittany both have done. Um, the verse that I chose was actually a verse that um, I, le- I had to memorize for an organization that I'm involved in in school. And I learned this verse about a year and a half ago. And after that, it keeps popping up. Like every time something happens, this verse keeps popping up. And it's Romans 12:1, And it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And um, for me, this sums up our trip because, like I told you, the Orthodox, how they could not go in um, because they didn't think that they were um, clean enough. Well, this 
country is also um, one of the top Islam countries um, and Muslim countries. And they have given, God has given himself up as a sacrifice for us. And these Muslim people that accept Christ, um, they're giving up their safety. They're giving, they're sacrificing for God. And um, April told us a story um, about a girl that we have told you about. Um, her name is A, um, or Amen. They call her either one. And she accepted Christ about um, probably at the beginning of the year last year. And she, she said, you know, I have to tell my family. I have to tell everyone that I know. But no matter what happens, I'm still going to praise God. And I still know that he'll get me through everything. And when, she, when April told me this on our way to one of the villages, I just sat there and I was like, you know, I don't have to worry. If I tell someone, are they going to hurt me? I don't have to worry about that. And why am I not telling every person I come in contact with about God? Why am I not doing that? You know, that is one little sacrifice that I can make. Um, and with that, I do want to tell you a really quick story that we found out this week about her. Um, she did tell her family. And two Fridays ago... On her birthday. On her birthday was two Fridays ago. Her family started beating her. And um, since then, they haven't stopped. And um, April is actually out of the city right now. She's in one of the villages. And she is pretty torn up about it. And she's coming back on Tuesday. And so that is one thing that is really um, on our hearts and also in April's heart. And if y'all can really pray for her. But one thing that April did say, she goes, you know, she's getting beaten. I don't know how bad she's getting beaten because she doesn't, she hasn't seen her or anything. But it did start last Friday. And she said, but she's still praising God. She's still glorifying him. She's still saying, you know, God's going to get me through this. I don't have to worry about it. And for her to be able to still do that, why in the world are we not praising God every single second of our day, being able to come here and not have to worry about anything? And so that's really what I got from the trip, and I do want to thank y'all for your support and your prayers. And so, Brittany's going. Well, I have to follow that. Okay, so my verse was um, a Romans verse two. Um, it was five um, two through five, and it says, "And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, be we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts." By the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And this verse, um, I was reading Romans while we were there. And I came across this verse um, actually while we were doing the medical clinics. And like I said before, it was my favorite part of the whole trip. Um, And it really hit me because we think we're suffering because our air condition doesn't work in our car. Or because um, we didn't get an A on that test that we studied all week for, or, you know, we didn't get something that we wanted or something's not working right or things like that. And they they don't have shoes to wear. They don't have aspirin for their knees hurting. They don't have glasses to help with their eyesight. They don't have any of that stuff. And we're sitting back here, you know, and I was sitting there and I was like, I'm, I'm not suffering. Are you kidding And so I just want to encourage you to think about that when you're complaining about, you know, not, you know, the waitress giving you mushrooms or something. I don't know, you know, when you didn't want them 
And so when you're thinking about that stuff, just think about those people who don't have anything and just lift up a prayer for them when you're doing that and just bring glory out of our sufferings that we think are sufferings because they are suffering over there. And, but even though that they are those ones that, you know, like, amen, I mean, she, she's suffering right now, but she's still praising God for it. And for us, I just want y'all to just think about that and praise God while you're suffering. And, um, so Bethany's going to tell you a little bit about what you can do. Um, so just the last thing is just some prayer requests that we have that we asked April what she wanted us to bring to you and kind of what you can be praying for her, not only just her, but also the people in the country and also the other missionaries that are in the country. Um, we met probably over 20 to 25 other um, Americans that were there, and there are also some um, Australians that are there. Um, and so some of the prayer requests is amen which um, is the lady that we told you about, and just for her safety, and just that she can, um, just that God will just give her peace and just healing and everything through this time. Also, wisdom and how to creatively reach the unreached people group, because um, that is a real big struggle that they're, they are having, um, is just their, how creative they can be to be able to reach the unreached people group in such a um, different way, because they can't come out and say it. Also, unity among the teens. Um, there are tons of teams there. I can't even count how many teams that we met. It was crazy, but just the unity between the teams. Um, for the locals to understand that it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. A lot of times they'll come up and they are um, Muslim and they'll be like, you know, I don't see the difference. I don't see the difference in Christianity and I don't see the difference. What's the point? And it's not the point of it, the religion. It's the point that, we have, that they have to have a relationship with Jesus. And they have to um, know that. And they don't really, it's really hard for us to um, get them to understand that it's not the religion that we're worried about. That it's the relationship. And so just that they'll understand that and they'll be able to accept that. And also, um, April is learning. She's um, advanced in the national language. She is now learning the local language of the people group that she's trying to reach. And it's very difficult for her, for her to learn the language because no one's willing to teach her the language. Um, it's one of the languages that is not dying, but it's only in that um, area, in that village. And so she's having a hard time finding someone to teach her that language so that she can. So just pray that she can find someone that's willing to openly teach her um, the unreached people group's language. And so that is all that we have. Thank you for letting us share. I mentioned something to you that I wanted you to know before I invited them up, and, and that is that you know you who gave and prayed for them, I had a part in uh, in what took place there. Uh, what I also want you to think about is this, because some of you may be saying, well. I just can't, uh, I can't go. You know, I wish I could go to, uh, to Africa. Or I wish I could go across the seas, wherever, <clears throat> on a mission trip. And, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I, but, but I can't do that. You can. You can do it through this box. You can go to Africa, you can go to India, you can go to Mexico, South America, wherever, Europe. You can go through this box. 
your mission trip. This is your dawn trip. This is your ship. This is your airplane. This is your trip into the life of some child in that child's family across this world. So I'm so thankful for what they have done, what April is doing. I want you to understand something. You can do something great through this, if you will. You can fill it up and you can take a journey. It goes back to the pastor scripture we looked at. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Will you put him first? Will you put his kingdom first and follow through with this? And maybe even beyond what your commitment is. I, I told you last week, God told me to double our commitment for next year. We're going to go from 500 to 1,000 boxes. And that means collecting all year long. You know, make it a lot easier on you if you'll do that. But you can take an amazing journey, if you will, through a shoebox. Now, someone here may be thinking, well, all that's nice, but I, you know, I don't really even know Christ is my Savior. I want you to look back with me in, in Matthew, and I'm going to read a verse, and then the band's going to uh, play for us, read a couple of verses. But in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, and we don't have this on the, on the screen for you, but in Matthew uh, 6, <clears throat> verse number 25 and 26 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Then Jesus used an illustration, an example. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. That's all the birds can do is trust in the God of all the universe providing for them. And he can do that. And he does that. He feeds the birds. But then Jesus went on and he said this. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can I tell you how important you are today? You are so important. You are so valuable. Do you realize how valuable you are? You are so valuable to God that he put his son on a cross for you. And this morning, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, that's how much God loved you. That's how much Jesus loved you to go to the cross and shed his blood for you. He takes care of the birds there. He provides for them. Hey, we're more valuable. We're more important than birds. Jesus didn't die for the birds. Jesus died for us. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, as the band plays in just a moment, perfect time for you to realize how valuable you are to God and trust in Christ as your Savior. And for the rest of us that already know Jesus as Savior, guess what? It is a perfect time for us to do. It's a perfect time for us to recognize all the people in the world that don't know Christ as their Savior, they're more valuable than birds. Jesus died for them. And through things like sending missionaries, through things like sending a shoebox, 
We can reach out to a lost world that is so important to Jesus, He died and suffered and bled for that world. So I want you to think about that as I pray and then as a band plays. Maybe today you need to receive Christ as Savior. You're so valuable to God, Jesus died for you. Maybe today as a Christian, you need to make a a commitment. Maybe you've been tested about this journey called Operation Christmas Child. Maybe you need to make a renewed commitment and and just say, God, today I'm going to do it. I'm going to fill up every one of those boxes plus some. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you call me to do, those people out in this world are so important that Jesus died for them. And I'm going to do what you call me to do to reach them through Operation Christmas Child. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for, uh, for what we've heard today. Lord, for what Bethany and Brittany shared with us about their trip. Father, forgive us for being so selfish in our culture. When we hear about families taking one plate of food for their week, for them having to line up just for, for aspirin, Father, we pray for April and others like her who are serving in dangerous foreign countries to where they cannot even just go up on the street and talk about Jesus. And Father, we pray that you give them the creative means and the open doors to tell people about Christ. Father, if there's someone here today that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray right now you would help them to see that they are so valuable to you. Your Son suffered and bled on a cross for their sins so they can be forgiven of their sins and they can have a relationship with you and go to heaven one day and be with you for all eternity. Father, give them the faith they need right now to say yes to Jesus. And for all of us that know Him, challenge us with the value of a lost world, with the value of lost children and families across this world that do not know Jesus. Father, I pray you help us to answer the test of the journey. Help us to seek you first, your kingdom first, your righteousness first. God, help us at this time in our church to go beyond anything we've ever done in Operation Christmas Child and pray that you bless these boxes and these boxes bring people to you. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. So, band plays. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, if you have questions about that, I'll be here at the front. I tell you, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Al Newell that shared with us last week if he'd come and kind of be here at the front at the other end also in case uh, more than one need to come. You need Christ as your Savior. Why not today? We're talking about giving a gift. You can give the greatest gift of all in Jesus this morning. And if you already know Him, why not during this time Be sure you make a commitment to say, God, I'm going to pass the test of the journey.
I'm being tempted not to fulfill all these boxes. I, God, I've got my own issues, my, my own finances, my own problems. Why not trust Him, put Him first, and let Him take care of all the rest? Maybe you need to make that commitment as a believer this morning. Please stand as the band sings. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day Three Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.